This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Trojan fans. It's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Oh, Trojan fan! Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Wednesday, happy hump day, everybody. We've got to talk some USC Trojan football. Hump day's middle of the week. We are almost in the middle of USC spring football practice. So I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, joined along with Chris Trevino. Follow him on Twitter, at Chris N. Trevino. Chris, we're going to talk to you in a second. I know you've got a funny story come up. Just want to let everyone know, if you have any questions or comments for the show, we've been getting a bunch more of them in. You can email us if you'd like to do that, podcast at uscfootball.com. Dot com, or if you'd rather call or text us, the number is 424-254-9141. You can find us on Apple Podcasts as well. Subscribe to the Parasol Podcast. Actually, they call it Follow Now. Uh, and you can leave us a comment, five-star review. We do appreciate all of that. Well, Chris, how you doing, man? You doing okay? I'm doing good. I'm surprised you didn't say smash that follow button. Oh, yeah, smash the follow. <laughs> That's the, you know, I, I borrowed that from our buddy Chip Patterson over at the Cover 3 podcast but smash that like button if you're watching we also are simulcasting on youtube so thanks to all the youtubers out there youtube.com slash inside tour we're putting up an absolute ton of videos over on the youtube channel chris there's just there's a lot going up i average at least seven videos a practice wow. get them up right after practice so yeah subscribe you won't miss a video you won't miss uh an interview from all your favorite players or guys you want to hear from so yeah just it's just a smart move a smart move. Yeah, check that out. Um, if you want to, well, before we jump into things, I want to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. And if you want, you know, you go, we've had, I've had a bunch of people email me. Go over to TraderJoe's.com. There's always a lot of great ideas. I don't know if you're a big brunch guy, Chris. I'm a huge brunch guy. Oh, okay. Love yeah, I mean, brunch. I'm not saying I'm not a huge brunch guy, but if there's bottomless mimosas and French toast, I'm there. Uh, all excellent choices. And so you can buy, so I will go over to, to Trader Joe's and get the Prosecco. And then I like the pineapple. So they have a good pineapple juice selection over at Trader Joe's. Okay. So I do the pineapple mimosas, but they have over on TraderJoe's.com, easy breezy brunch. So if you want to have like your mimosa, but then something kind of quick uh, and easy, they have a bunch of, uh, a bunch of options there. There's a, give me my a quiche. Uh, there's a mini croissants, uh, chicken sausage burrito. I, Breakfast burritos are probably one of my favorite things, so I got to definitely try that one out. Uh, and they have an acai bowl too. So, uh, but I, I, yeah, I'm with you, Chris. I want the bottomless mimosa. Yeah, I mean, we don't get to cover practice on Saturday, so we have a lot more time on the weekends to go <laughs> to go do stuff like brunch. Yeah, I love me some brunch. But thanks again to uh, Trader Joe's uh, for doing that um, and being a part of the show for a long time, Chris. We're good at things. I guess you have a funny story you want to share. Yeah, I mean, I just had this sort of 
my outside life kind of colliding with my work life and I just okay. wanted to share it. I forgot to share it on Tunnel Vision and I didn't share it the last week on the podcast, but I was at this like antique bookstore kind of deal and they also had like a bunch of sports collectibles and the guys who ran the booth were there and they were just kind of talking and I bought something from them. Um, I bought a Orioles ticket from the World Series in 1970. So oh, that nice. was cool for my collection. But we, we were just getting to talking about, you know, sports and stuff. And they were huge USC fans. And obviously okay. they were kind of they were just kind of standing there kind of talking about, you know, Lincoln Riley and the Clay Helton era and then the Coliseum and all this kind of stuff. And then they kind of were like, do you know what we're talking about or anything? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I know a little <laughs> bit about what you're talking about. I, I actually cover USC football. And then that kind of like. Uh, made them realize oh this guy maybe knows what we're kind of talking about and the one guy who's younger than the other guy um i think his name was sean he was like yeah i read everything about usc football I, That's I'm, funny. I'm, I'm all over it and he was like do you know that abraham guy <laughs> and i'm like yeah i think so i think i know who you're talking about uh yeah he called you that abraham guy so That's i was like funny. i thought that was funny and then later when i was checking out he brought up the site again uh usc football he's like yeah i'm gonna be on the lookout for for that abraham guy and I heard they they had one of their guys just went back east, right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, uh, I think you mean shotgun. He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, I think they also had that girl leave. And I was like, yeah, yeah, her name's Keely or whatever. And, and, and he just like had no idea who I was. So I'm still just like, just like right he under never the said, like, yeah, no, you know that Trevino guy yeah, just no. bugs me. Yeah, he just, he, I was waiting for it. He gets on my nerves. Yeah, just like, yeah. So if he's watching this, I think his name was Sean. Sean, look. Hey, Sean, uh, the guy right there. Yeah, yeah I don't know how the cameras are set up. Integral but. part of the show, yeah. No, I'm pointing to you. That's the Abraham guy. See, yeah, I told so, you I kind of so know him. So if you point so. to your left, probably, that would get to me, right? No, no, the other way. Sorry. Yeah. That's okay. Me. Yeah, so okay. I got to go this way for you. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sean, hi. I'm the Abraham <laughs> guy. That's Chris Dorito. Been a huge part of the site. Uh, that's awesome. I also had, like, we get these little run-ins, and I uh, I, I told the story a few weeks ago when I ran into Talanoho Funga. At the uh, Manhattan Beach Sand Dunes, I go this morning, and I like I crushed this morning, man. I did. I went up and down fifteen times, ran down. Give me some applause. Push ups every like ten push ups every time. I was like, it was like I'm not in as good shape as I was before, like middle pandemic. I was good, and I'm, so I'm trying to get back. And there's the uh, three older African American gentlemen come up, sort of like in the middle of the workout, and they're like go up once, and like one guy, like one guy's literally sitting on the sand dune. He just wasn't going to finish, and. I get down and and the one guy that went up and down, he was like, um, "Hey, are my friends okay up there?" Because his two of his buddies were still up on the hill, and I'm like, uh, "I think they'll be okay. They'll come down. I think they'll make it." But he said that they had already done like a workout. They'd run some stairs and everything. They were just kind of oh yeah, off sure, sure, they, sure, sure. I don't know. I'm like, this is not what you want to finish on. This is like a killer. You know, it was like an hour of, and then afterwards, so they're just kind of hanging out for a while, and then they talk to me, and they're all like dads of like high school football players and. Oh um, yeah, and one of them, and I forget his name, but uh, I think you looked up the court. So he's a quarterback. Twenty twenty five. Twenty twenty five. Hassan Longstreet. Yeah, uh, has a Florida State offer. So obviously twenty twenty five, not even on my radar right now. I'm still no. worried about twenty twenty two transfers in twenty twenty three, and even twenty twenty four. We just had the top two four seven, top twenty four rankings come out. You can check those out on two four seven. Got hot plug, but I'm not even twenty twenty five. Not even on my radar. But you know, as a local quarterback. Could be someone big. Already has the FSU offer, so 
just someone, just a name to kind of store in the back. Yeah, and they're, they're, I think their sons were all at Inglewood, so I'm going to go over mm-hmm. there. I think he has an older brother uh, at Inglewood, too. So okay. I told him I'll go check out spring practice. It starts in a couple weeks. I haven't been to Inglewood for a couple years, but I used to go over there. A lot there. of talent over there. There's a bunch. Uh, they had some transfers in. Uh, he, he transferred in from Los Al. Um, the, Obviously, there's a pretty good quarterback there now. Malachi Nelson, of course. Sources yeah. say. But I had like a 24, not this one, but I had a different, I always just wear 24-7 sports t-shirts, apparently. Um, and I had one on and they were like, ask, you know, ask blah, blah. And I started talking about, yeah, I run the USC. I'm like, oh, well, and then they were all, they were asking questions about getting their kids recruited and all this kind of stuff. So it was, uh, it was interesting. But yeah, people just kind of talk to you about this industry. It's funny when you bump into people like that. So, And I just want to say, I like the purple. You like the purple one? Yeah, I think when we get we get we get to buy shirts every like couple years or couple months. I think I might go for the purple. I I, I like the purple. I have a ton of the t-shirts because I wear them to work out in, or I wear them for stuff like this. Uh, always yeah. got the brand. I always brand. Yeah, always branded. Um, yeah, that's cool stuff. But all right, so neat little. But appreciate everyone when you see us somewhere, say hi to us. I uh, appreciate that. Um, we can jump in. I don't know if it's like. Breaking news. Uh, it's not really breaking news, but we're just, we're about halfway through um, USC spring football, and there's a whole bunch of content that's up on the site. If you're not a subscriber, make sure you go and subscribe for a buck. If you're not a subscriber now, a dollar for the first month. You can go in there and check it out. Like Chris said about the the videos, we have tons of interviews, stories, um, analysis. I put up a pretty big photo gallery yesterday of the defensive players, even though we're going to be talking. Offense today, because the Tuesday practice, we get to hear from the uh, offensive side of the ball. But I'll, I got some, I'll throw some pictures up, some good ones, like a, like a Caleb Bullock, like he was looking pretty, uh, I think he's put on a little weight there, Chris. Does he look, Caleb like everyone's put on weight. Yeah. I mean, just basically just looking at anyone just kind of looks like, oh, they just look a little bit different. I don't know if it's like, it's either like five pounds or some guys, you know, talked about, you know, Jude Wolf told me yesterday I put on 10 pounds in January. Jonah Monheim, I know you talked to him. I believe you talked to him yesterday. I did. You know, he yeah. said he's he's about three hundred right now. He's put on some good weight. So just just guys putting on weight in a bunch of different places uh, across the field. And the reason why this man, I got a good picture of him with his mouth open. If you're on YouTube, you can see it. Uh, so Benny Wiley, so essentially the strength coach uh, there. But what's his? He has some weird title, but it's like director the of performance. performance. Yeah, that's kind of what the new. Like uh, but the guys looking good. But there was a scrimmage portion of practice on Tuesday. And uh, depending on who you talk to, uh, I think Josh Henson was sort of like the offensive line didn't play that well. But you talked to Caleb Williams and he was like, he asked like what stood out to you. He thought the play of the offensive line was good. So we can't see, but like depends who you talk to, like kind of the, the vibe you get of how the scrimmage went. Yeah, I just got the sense that I'm not. Yeah, I think it was more so, you know, Caleb wanted to shout out his O-line. You know, they probably did a, yeah. a good job at, at times. But I think it was more so just Henson not being, you know, up to snuff or with, or just being a little bit harder on his position group because he knows they have a big task yeah. this season. You know, they have to facilitate that run game that Lincoln Riley wants to get going. They have to protect, you know, some pretty good quarterbacks, especially one that, you know, is a Heisman caliber quarterback in Caleb Williams. So, he said there was inconsistency. You know, sometimes they would have really, really good plays, and then sometimes they would, you know, not look great at all. So they need to cut down on those inconsistencies. And you know, I'm sure it's never as bad as it seems or as good as it seems. So I feel like it was kind of in the middle. But I just felt like sort of a coach, you know, kind of being 
extra hard on his position group because you know it's a position group that has a lot of experience and he demands a lot out of the, those guys. Yeah, no, I think you're I think you're 100 right there. Um, talking to when I did, you mentioned Jonah Monheim. I talked to him, and he was saying, you know, for the offensive lineman, it's not that different because when you're going OLDL and full pads, it's pretty much live, right? You're going, you're, mm-hmm. you're blocking, and uh, where talking to Kyle Ford, we'll get in that a little bit later. He was more on the lines of. You know, when you're doing like one-on-ones in practice, it's, you know, it's one thing. Like you're you're lining up against uh, a cornerback and you're trying to beat him. But when it's like a full team, full team, and you're trying to make this contested catch in the end zone and your other, you know, your fellow receivers are out there running routes, there's guys blocking, like there's a whole bunch that has to come into that play. It's not just you and the quarterback and you and the de- the defensive guy. So it seemed like, at least according to him, that for the skilled players, it does step it up a lot more when you're in a scrimmage situation. Well, yeah, it's a bunch of moving parts. You know, it's it's like you just said, it's different going just one-on-one, but you have, you know, guys running around this way, guys running around that way. It's just a whole bunch of, it's like a, it's like a elaborate dance number. You know, everyone's got their, their different roles. Everyone's got their different steps and it, it all has to come together. Yeah, for sure. Um, but the other one thing that I, that a lot of people did mo- mention specifically about the offense is that they came out a little bit flat. The energy for them was kind of down, you know, Jude Wolf kind of mentioned that Travis Dye mentioned that, you know, that that's something that you know they needed to address early. Uh, I believe Jude Wolf said you know that Lincoln Riley kind of called them out on sort of that lack of energy, gotcha. okay. and Travis Dye kind of noted that the team sort of recognized that as well. The offense sort of recognized that as well, and they kind of came together and they kind of broke out of that. And he said that said a lot about the team. You know, the to be able to recognize when their energy was down and sort of correct that you know early on. Um, so obviously that's something that's not going to fly under Lincoln, you know, having kind of that low injury, especially that's his offense. So, you know, he, he's not going to put out a subpar offense out there. So you definitely need to bring the energy when you're, when you're playing for this team, especially for this offense. So yeah, Lincoln shoot him out for it. Yeah. Um, I don't know other notes you got. I have a couple I'll add that, um, when we talked to, uh, I talked to Zach Hansen, the, uh, tight ends coach the big tight ends coach he's he's rather big you gotta call him big tight ends coach big yes. tight ends coach six foot eight he's, he's very big so when you film him in his interviews you have to kind of like yeah you're you the know. wrists be careful with your wrists uh, yeah and i feel bad because like a lot of times it's not very flattering to get filmed upward right and so he's it's just tall. i'm pretty tall you're tall but he's six eight so he's much taller than me um he had said that malcolm epps had caught a nice touchdown in the red zone so i thought that was kind of uh that was kind of cool and then I don't know if Caleb Williams mentioned it. I forget who did uh, that. He had like a forty-yard run. Uh, yeah, that, that was one. Jude. He was asked about sort of Caleb's speed um, and how that's been displayed. He was like, "Yeah, today he kind of had a big run, probably about forty yards." So, you know, making plays with his legs, which we're not surprised about. No. Uh, any other? We can talk about Caleb Williams in a minute. But any other notes uh, from the scrimmage? Just that going you've back heard? to just to Epps. Uh, this isn't sort of like a scrimmage thing, but he. This is the first time we had spoken to him. This. Uh, this spring and he kind of talked about how he's been challenged to be more of a leader moving forwards you know it's kind of like you don't always he said you don't have to always be like angry to be a leader you know it's not about yelling it's not about like just overly motivating it's about the little things you know he gave an example of like when he's upstairs watching film he's texting guys like hey what are you doing come watch film with me you know stuff like that and that's sort of the mentality he's taking it's 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 we not me sort of uh that that kind of a that kind of a mentality moving forward and he kind of talked about how specifically for the tight ends they don't care really about 
you know, getting those stats or anything like that. Obviously, the tight end is going to be featured more in this offense. But what they care about is winning. He said, are we winning? Then, then we don't care what you know. If we only have one catch, if we had the block all game, did did the final score say USC won? Then cool, we're good, <laughs> we're good. I mean, this offense is going to use the tight ends more. Jude Wolf said that there's a bigger pass catching role for the tight ends, but they also have this mentality of we just want to do whatever it takes to win. They want to win now. They don't want to win two years from now. They want to win now, especially for a guy like Epps, who's like a senior, and. You know, he kind of did say something interesting about sort of the roles that the tight ends position, the tight end position has in this offense. You know, have you have that H back role? You kind of have when they split out wide. You have when they block on the line. He sort of mentioned that he has sort of been holding down the Y position, so he seems to be more the guy who's moved out wide for 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 the tight ends. And then Jude Wolf, his quote was, "Jude Wolf is holding down the H back position like a grown man." So it seems like Jude is being more utilize sort of in that backfield as an h-back position and Epps said you know i want to get more h-back roles so that's something i want to prove not a lot of people think i can sort of play that role just because of his size uh at, at six foot six borderline six foot seven so he says i need to get more of those roles so that's something he's working towards so you know pretty good day talking to the tight ends got a, got a lot out of that and they're really thin right now obviously because lake mccree is still out yeah um not really sure where ethan ray is at this point but it seems like he's doing a lot more um, Josh Fallow is hurt. So really they only have three healthy scholarship tight ends. The, uh, the Malcolm Epps, Malcolm Epps, just watching him. I think I saw like an off season interview with him. It might've been like with Mo Hassan or something. And I just came away. I think we were talking maybe on tunnel vision and I was like, he was a pick for me. Like he's going to be someone that has a breakout yeah. year. And, uh, I'm feeling pretty good about that right now. I just feel like you look at him and you're like, that's a, that's a grown man that can play football. And now you're going to be in a competent offense and where they can utilize them. I just feel like this is going to be, there's going to be certain players, Chris, that just, you're like, huh, what's going wrong with them? And then in a new system and, and they're just going to shine. I think he's going to be one of those guys. Like get unlocked. Get unlocked. Yeah. Uh, bet. Um, yes. Was that good? Yes. That was it. <laughs> that was it. Uh, let's. I'm okay. so proud of you. Thanks, man. Um, we talked a little bit about Caleb Williams, uh, yep. taking off and running, like, uh, you know, how fast he mm-hmm. is and all that kind of stuff. But when we talked to him and, uh, let me put up a, we talked to him, it sounds like he wants to run less. Uh, right. so that was kind of an interesting comment. Uh, cause a lot of the talk was about, well, he's going to be like this running quarterback and blah, blah, blah. Um, but no, he says he's going to run less. Obviously he's a really good dynamic mobile quarterback. Ran for, I believe, 442 yards, so almost 500 yards last season. Uh, six rushing touchdowns to go with his you know, impressive passing numbers. But yeah, he said, actually, I've been working on running less, kind of sticking in the pocket a little bit more, not taking off as much. And he kind of rationalized it as, you know, I have to trust those guys up front. I have to trust those those offensive line, the, those older guys, those vets to, to do their job and their job is to protect me. And he said, you know, I trust them. Um, and he also kind of said it's it's sort of, more so becoming a finding that perfect balance between being a runner and a passer. It's not saying he's eliminating running from his game at all. No, no, he wants to sort of, you know, find the perfect time to run or, you know, know when it's time to kind of stick it out a little bit longer in the in in the pocket. You know, he did admit that there were times last year that he was too quick to run, but he also admitted you know, the, it was vice versa. There were times where he stuck too long in the pocket right. and kind of should have just ran. Yeah. Should have just ran. So 
you know, and, you know, obviously that's something he wants to take his game to the next level. And one thing you can do is kind of find that balance in the pocket, you know, knowing when the play is over, throwing it away. He said, I don't want to be in a first and 10 and then not knowing when the play is over. And then it's second and 17. He wants to li- live. What is it? Live another day, sort of live another down, sort of. Let's not make it second and 10. Let's make it. Let's not make it se- second and 17. Let's make it second and 10. Yeah. So kind of just, you know, just being smarter with the football just having, you know, advancing that football IQ and kind of knowing the situation and when to run and when to, you know, stick it out a little bit longer to make the throw down the field. Now, he didn't start the whole year for Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And so this was funny. So we get to go to practice. We film some stuff in the beginning, uh, take some photos, social media things. And then we have to leave and we go to the media room. And Ryan Karshi from the L.A. Times had asked, when's the last time USC had a quarterback that had 75 rushes in a season and I assumed it was because Caleb Williams had more than that I just looked I didn't even know before so he last year he rushed 79 times uh 442 yards uh six touchdowns along of 74 now I think those include sacks and stuff too mm-hmm. but um and so he was like when's the last time that happened and when I was in school I remember Reggie Perry was uh like kind of the emergency quarterback one year wasn't the greatest thrower of the football but I remember him running a lot so I just said Reggie Perry and I think Ryan was, he thought it was Pat Hayden. And he's like, oh, wait, no, you're right. It was Reggie Perry. And so everyone's like, oh, I'm like, yeah, well, I was in school then. And they, that was the year they lost to Memphis State. USC lost to Memphis State and then beat like a top five Penn State the next week. Um, but yeah, so I, I the the talk would be, are you going to have a quarterback that's going to rush for more than 75 yards for the first time in a long time? And I, I guess the before that, before Reggie Perry, it was. Uh, Pat Hayden. So there's there not a lot of history of USC quarterbacks taking off and running. Uh, but just from his comments, Chris, it sounds like he'll run, but maybe not. I don't know. Does it mean less design runs or is it more of like when you're dropping back to pass and there's nothing there, maybe you're, you're still trying to find something as opposed to uh, just taking off and running. And will they still call a lot of design runs or a lot of run pass options? I'm, I'm, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of handle that. Yeah, I don't know if that sort of includes design runs because those are design runs that that's what they're you know meant for. You know, yeah. a QB draw or sort of you know kind of this RPO action. It, it's I, I think I think it's more like dropping back, sort of trying to feel feel the feel the pocket out, feel feel where the play is developing, and you know maybe letting it develop an extra couple seconds more before you know making that decision to run and not just bolting you know two seconds into it i think that's more what he's talking about i don't think it really affects the possibility of more design runs uh for this offense i would still expect a good amount of design runs you know smartly executed uh, by this offense and when you know a defense is less least expecting it you know in the red zone you know those kind of areas where you know a guy with his legs can be more dangerous yeah um well let's take it with uh Caleb Williams, because we do have a little bit of number controversy um, because Caleb Williams wearing number 13. USC already had a number 13 on the offensive side of the ball, uh, Michael Jackson. And right now, they have different jersey colors because Caleb Williams wearing a, a gold one for you know the quarterbacks. Right and now it works. They're both wearing 13. Um, and what, what did you learn about what, how this is going to be resolved? Because they could not play... In the game, he won't have a gold jersey. There's going to be you can't have two thirteens. What what do you think is going to happen here? Or what what have you heard? Like well, yesterday? they were asked about it. Both of them, we were in both. I was in both uh, scrums. You know, he, uh, Caleb kind of had that smile. You know, that personable smile. Like we haven't worked it out yet, or but we will we will get it sorted out. And then he kind of left it at that. 
And then the same question was asked to Michael Jackson in his scrum, and he sort of said no comment and kind of laughed. So, I mean, there was not not nothing really uh, telling in those two answers. Just that you know something will be worked out. I, I have a hard time believing that uh, the starting potential starting quarterback doesn't get his number. But I mean, we're we're gonna see. But you know, he does have the. That Beats deal. Maybe Michael Jackson needs a new pair of Beats. Yeah. You know, a little of incentive to try to nudge him towards a new number. But, you know, I we, believe I believe that his that is his, like, number. I mean, that was the number he wore in high school. So it does have, uh, you know, value to him in that, in that regard. So I, I know it probably won't be easy to give up, you know, your number. Yeah. Well, we've seen this in the NFL where, like, you know, a star goes from one team to another and there's someone that has that number already. They and get they, paid. They get, like, a Rolex or something. Um we haven't seen that in college, but now with the NIL, like Caleb Williams could be like, yeah, uh, I'm going to make it worth your while to switch numbers here. Look, if he if he wants my number, you can write the check and I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. For, I, I told you I will sell out on this podcast. I will sell out for the for a number. I love it. Um, well, yeah, we'll see. So we'll watch that number 13 thing going on. But, you know, it's spring football. You don't need to resolve it right now. I guess we could stick with the quarterbacks, Chris, because Miller Moss. Uh, great talker. It was always fun. I got this. It's funny. They brought over like two of my dudes, like Miller Moss and Kyle Ford at the same time. And they were just like, Hey, Ryan, what's up? Like, uh, you know, they're just nice. There's a lot of really nice guys on the team. There's two dudes I, I really, uh, gravitate towards, but I didn't talk to Miller Moss. Uh, I think you did. Yeah. I was uh, in that scrum at the end. Yeah. Uh, and he had some, I didn't know you put it up on social media and stuff. Some interesting, uh, comments about us. Yeah. Everyone was chill about it. Everyone was super chill about it on social media. They didn't really care, huh? No, that was a, I was being sarcastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, he sort of RJ Arbadia, who you know writes for us, one of our analysts, kind of asked him about USC's red zone uh, issues in last year. You know, it's no secret that they struggled mightily to put the ball away in the put the ball in the end zone uh, last season. And you know, Miller kind of came out and said. We dominated the red zone period today, which was good for us. But then the next comment was the more eye-opening one, and where he said, "You know, we actually practice, we actually practice red zone," and then kind of <laughs> had this laugh. And you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things. You know, last week we had Darwin Barlow kind of joke like, "If you didn't know the offense or you didn't know the play, you know, just run a swing pass." And today we have, or this week we have, you know, we actually practice red zone. So right. every week we're getting some new little just like shade. Can we shade. call it shade? A little shade throw, being thrown? Throw a few darts at this uh, uh, yeah. previous. So, I don't know. That was just a, an interesting comment to make. And, I mean, but how are you going to kind of refute that? Because it was clear that they did not do a lot with the red zone or yeah. it's something they struggle. And he kind of said, as as you know, as we know, you know, the red zone is the, can be the difference between wins and losses in college, obviously. So, yeah, it, and he says it's completely different now. You know, they have different packages. They they practice all this stuff. So I think it's safe to say USC is going to be much better in the red zone in 2022. I would think so. And there's always different philosophies, like you're going to practice this or focus on this or not focus on that, and this will come. And, you know, it, it didn't seem like when we talk about the lack of physicality, sometimes the red zone too. It's like offensive line going against defensive line. It's not just about running a play and, you know, throwing, completing a pass, but you're, it's, you got to be physical and, and you, the, the field is shrunk. And if you can get a bigger, you know, a couple extra yards out of your offensive line, if you're running the football, you're throwing a little swing, whatever it is, 
um, you can it can help yourself. But it just seemed like they were avoiding that. They weren't doing that kind of stuff. There wasn't a bunch of goal line things. There wasn't as much red zone emphasis. And or going under center. Going under center, never doing things like that. So, um, yeah, that was a little – It, I think almost every interview, there's a question about, like, what was it like last year and, you know, trying to compare. And I think for the most part, people are – doing their best to be like, Hey, you know, even last week when we talked to Lincoln Riley um, and about the offensive linemen having four different coaches, he made it clear, like, look, it's not like they weren't coached well, like now they're learning some different stuff and you're going to utilize all of that. So I think people try to avoid that, but every once in a while you say something and you're like, Oh, they didn't come out and say something against the way it was done before, but they pretty much came out right. <laughs> the way it was done before. Sometimes it slips. Sometimes you just yeah. want to, you just got to get something out. Right. And, and, you know, it's, it's not like not practicing the red zone is like wrong. Like there's probably successful programs that don't put a lot of emphasis on that. It's like, here's our offense and we're going to just call some different plays when we're in the red zone, but it's the same stuff. But when you suck in the red zone, right. Then you're like, well, your philosophy didn't work. Like, I think that's a like probably a legitimate philosophy. Like there's legitimate philosophies that maybe they don't work. And you're questioning and like, that doesn't seem like that's right. But if it works, it's fine, you know, and if it doesn't, then you're like, well, your philosophy sucked from the beginning. We, you know, you should probably practice the red zone because it's a different, you know, it's like a different, it's like the last two minutes of a college basketball game are very different than the rest of the game. You know, even yeah. though you're still playing the same sport, like it's just different the way you got a foul, you got to like go into the line, all that stuff. The red zone is different. And uh, it looks like USC is putting an emphasis on that now. Uh, sort of a side question sure. or side observation miller moss as you just mentioned great talker kayla williams great talker is this sort of the best two qb media personality combo that yeah i don't know i don't you obviously you've seen a lot of the the quarterbacks here but i have to say i mean it feels like maybe they're they're at least on the rush more they're they're up there i would think so yeah i mean i'm like trying to think of like pairs or guys that because like I thought John David Booty a little quieter, but I thought he was good. But him and Mark Sanchez were like on the, you know, at the same time. Um, back like in the Matt Leinart days, uh, you had like Matt Castle was really good too. So the two of them. Um, Max Brown and Darnold. Yeah, Darnold was, I mean, he's yeah, I fine. Mean, Darnold, he just wasn't a Dar- talker. Yeah, Darnold was fine. Uh, you know, didn't have as much personality as some of the other quarterbacks we've talked to. And, and Brown was a really good talker. Um, obviously he's doing media stuff now, so he had that sort of personality, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I just have a hard time seeing any two combo that's like as good as these two Yeah, in terms of, you know, Miller's just great quotes, personable, can make jokes. And then obviously we've mentioned it before, just Caleb has complete command of the media. He's just so comfortable up there. They both are. So really good quotes from the QB room. That's They're all, good, that's all yeah. we're saying. Matt Barkley was really good. Um, so a bunch of guys, but I'm trying like, who was Barkley's backup? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like off the top of my head, I don't remember. Uh, was there like Mitch Mustaine? Did he come in around then? Or is that later? I'll have to, we can Google it. Uh, Mitch was pretty good, but there's some of the guys who were quiet. Like, uh, Oh, Cody, Cody Kessler. Um, you know, I thought he would be pretty good talker, but he just wasn't a huge media guy. And it's funny. We saw him at practice and he was like all great and everything. But like, you know, when he was there, it just wasn't, the. Uh, Maybe wasn't the biggest f- fan of like the media stuff, but uh, okay. Let's see. Next topic: uh, the gold plate, gold plated tracker. Um, so it's a little weird. So if you remember the story we got last week, uh, it's just, you know the the Trojan helmet 
uh, is going to be cardinal, just plain cardinal for everybody until they earn the logo. So that's what Lincoln Riley told us. And you're going to get, if you get gold plated, you get a t-shirt, um, maybe one of the former players, like your defensive back, your Max Williams, uh, Taylor Mays could come over and give you your, your reward. And you get to wear the sticker on your, you know, the logo on your helmet. Um, hard to see because a lot of them are wearing padded helmets. So there could be a gold plate underneath the padding, but we don't see a lot of that. Uh, There's double-digit ones. Lincoln said there was at least double digits last Saturday. So they're hiding. They're hiding in plain sight. Yes. Um, But we know some that have got it. Do you want to, do you have a, yeah, we have some running list or how you do it. I don't know. I'm just keeping it in my brain. Okay. Because obviously, you know, Max Williams, Makai Blackman, uh, Taj Washington were kind of the first three that we saw out there. More have peered up this this Tuesday. I, I noticed that Terrell Bynum, the Washington transfer, he has one. And then former walk-on safety Micah Kroom has a gold plate. He has been gold-plated. Yeah. Um, so those are two new ones. And then based off sort of like the, the media that comes out from USC football, the pictures and stuff, it looks like Shane Lee. The Alabama middle linebacker transfer and Romello Height, the Auburn, uh, the first off the team guys, yeah, first off the bus guys, yoked, um, the yoked crew, they have gotten uh, their gold plate, and obviously they're linebackers, so they have they're covered up, so you know that makes sense. We can't see them, but it seems like those the two SEC guys have also earned their their uh, their decal. Yeah, uh, their, the, the Micah Kroom things. Yeah, the little the logo on there. Um, the Micah Kroom one is interesting because I didn't I had removed him from the scholarship chart and he's out there playing still. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people assume that he was sort of in that graduation. Yeah, because he has he been here longer than you? No, because he transferred in. He transferred oh, he in transferred from Dartmouth. In. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. And that was like, but 2016 is like when he started college football, I think. Yeah, so it's been. I was covering him in high school. How about that? Okay, so Perfect. It's, it's been a while. Nice. Um, Your point still stands. It's been a while. He's been, yeah, he's been around a long time. So we'll we'll try to get some more information for that uh, about what's going on there because we don't really know. Um, one of the things uh, as far as differences in coaching staff and philosophies, and not that there's one right or wrong, there Lincoln Riley doesn't have a special teams coordinator. So I really like Sean Snyder. Um, I, you know, we started tracking special teams a lot because there would be a lot of screw-ups. And, uh, you know, I was very critical of the way USC ran their special teams uh, prior. And I thought Snyder did some good things. They never really had, like, a breakout. But, I mean, obviously it was a weird year with uh, getting Clay Helton fired, you know, two games in and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, we talked to uh, Zach Hansen, the tight ends coach. Uh, he was asked about special teams work. And he had actually worked with Sean Snyder at, uh, Kansas State and he said even there like it wasn't like he was a coordinator at the beginning uh, he kind of became that but there was you know they just kind of would split things up by committee and I think Hanson is on punt team and then kickoff return so they're kind of running different uh, groups and he was a fan of of doing it that way that's most of the teams he's been on they're um, doing that and I I feel I mean just looking at it like you know, you have 10 assistant coaches. I can see one being a special teams coordinator, but you are, there's a lot going on in practice. And if someone's, you know, actually running that, I, I don't know where you think about this, Chris, or, you know, your thoughts on this. We saw at USC, they sort of like were manipulating a lot of the time. And if it's by a committee, I don't think there's like 
I don't think Zach Hansen's like, we got to work on punt for the next 20 minutes, you know. Um, it felt like when you had like a special teams coordinator kind of running a lot of the stuff, there was a lot of time that was sucked away. And we saw a lot of resources like scholarships uh, being towards that. So um, it'll be interesting to see how this works. But I know Hansen was a, a fan of the committee thing. Any any thoughts from you? It's a former kicker. And punter. And punter. Sorry. And punter. Let's, let's get that correct. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, you know, we've joked many a times about the amount of special teams practice or a special teams time that went into practice. You know, special team time special teams time was usually when I was able to catch up on my notes, write some stuff out, you know, kind of take a second to because I didn't really have to observe as much in special teams because it's the same thing. You know, it's guys running up and down on the formations or practicing, you know, getting off a block up the thing. You know, it wasn't anything I really uh learned a lot from. So I could I could do that. Um and you know, I like the committee the special teams by committee approach. It's sort of a new thing here um yeah. it's it it has the potential to you know work because it's it's just something where if you i don't think you need that much time because i'm not saying special team is simple but it should be a little bit more simple than you know what has been made out to be you know just get the right guys in the position spend however much time you need you know get the technique right get the get, get the scheme down that they need to know and just you know be simple it's just go out there get the ball or out or go out there and you know block for somebody you know, that that's sort of what it is. It's sort of like a feel to it. Um, you have really good returners, you know, just give them the opportunity to do yeah. something or just set your your defenders up to go ahead and make the make the play and don't and don't get you know, don't get busted. That's yeah. sort of the, the the main things you need to worry about. Yeah, and I think um I mean like anything, there's you can you only have so much time out in yeah. the practice field. And I feel like they were they put a lot of time into special teams and didn't get the results, which if you put a lot of time in special teams and you're like the best special, you know, you're scoring touchdowns every other game and forcing turnovers and and short fields and all those kind of things, great. But you weren't, but you still dedicate all that time to it. So you could have put that time somewhere else. Uh, the Pete Carroll era, there was most of the time, I think, didn't have a dedicated special teams coach. And then I think they had a GA, like Sam Anno or someone. I, I think I can't remember the name. Um were dedicated to special teams and they end up uh, doing a lot better for like those two years that he was a graduate assistant. Um, so they probably could have used one, but back then you can only have nine assistant coaches. Now mm-hmm. you have 10, um, but you know, so it's a little bit, a little bit different, but we'll see uh, how this approach works. Um, but you know, we've, we've, we've harped on special teams a lot. It's just, if you're going to put those kind of resources into it, you want to see better results. And USC just hasn't had that over the years. Uh I want to talk about Kyle Ford a little bit. Your boy. One of my guys. Uh, yoked. Um, he's 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 looking swole. He's big. He says he's faster, too. Um, and he's one of those guys. He didn't throw shade at the previous staff, but he had definitely had talked about, like, how he played in the Cal game. Um, you know, he came on late. He felt like he could have done that all year. And so there was just, I think there's some players that are going to have like chips on their shoulder that like, Hey, I w- I could have done these things last year. And something to prove. Yeah. I think he has, he's someone that has something to prove. So if you're a Kyle Ford fan, you're like, Hey, I love the five-star guys. Um, I, I think it just seems like everything's going to be open to him. Uh, the, one of the differences he did bring up from last year, like he another question was asked was about the, 
you know, like what are, you know, your role being different. And he talked about blocking quite a bit where, especially in the run game, it seemed like the schemes were fairly simple of like, okay, just try to get in somebody's way. There wasn't like complicated blocking schemes for the wide receivers and, and complementing the run game. But it sounds like that's changed significantly. And he likes it. He likes the aspect of being able, you know, asked to block more. He said, as a bigger receiver, uh, that's he something should he be, can excel He should at. be blocking more. Yeah. So that's one of the things to watch where if the USC run game starts doing well, especially when you get to that second level and you're, you know, the runs outside, are the wide receivers doing different things in the blocking scheme? Are they really getting in the way? Are they, are they trying to extend that run? If the offensive line did their job, the running back did their job, now you get to the outside, you don't get tackled right away because you have wide receivers making the right plays too, and it all seemed to be schemed up and, and coordinated. Yeah, I mean, that's like we said, it's sort of like, or like the point I made, it's sort of like an elaborate dance. And part of that dance right now seems like to be blocking. So uh, Kyle Ford, you know, kind of has that Juju Smith-Schuster mold, who was an excellent physical blocker. So if he could be like anything like that, I think that's going to be a huge win for this offense, especially a guy who is as yoked as you say he is. He's he's pretty yoked. Uh, well, the video is up on uh YouTube and we'll have all of a story going up there uh, pretty soon on him too. So uh, yeah, I didn't get any photos of him on Tuesday. Cause I was, wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have fit the muscles too big. There was a, there was a lot, there was a lot of muscles there. Uh, the other aspect that I thought this was interesting with the receivers. I don't know if you got the feel for this too, talking to anybody. Um, we talk about there's a tight ends coach, but USC's never had an inside receivers coach and a, and an outside receivers coach. So you got, you know, Luke Heward and Dennis Simmons. I think I got, photo of those guys. Um, so they're handling the inside and the outside receivers. Plus you have a tight ends coach. So we've never seen this many kind of receivers or pass catching coaches uh, on the same staff. Kyle Ford, I was kind of asking him about the dynamic and he was talking about, you know, he's mostly working with Dennis Simmons. He's mostly working uh, on the outside. So if you're in a meeting, he's like in a meeting with Dennis Simmons. So that's like, that's kind of what they're working on. Now you learn, techniques and and routes and things for the inside stuff too but he's sort of focused uh on that and i think a guy like brendan rice i think is more focused on the inside part so um you you have that division but then he said once you're on the field it's a little different because now it's sort of all intermingled and mixed together yeah i like that aspect i've always been i've tried to ask some of these guys about you know working together like that because it is uh you know we've we're seeing coaches like you know roy manning like coaching nichols and defensive, you know, rush ends and things like that. Like you're, there's a mix and match sort of quality there. So it's not just like you're here, you're here, you're here. And uh, it seemed to work. Uh, you know, this is the first time Kyle Ford has had a, you know, kind of receiving coach situation like this. So it seemed to be received well from someone on the team that hadn't had that before. It's more fluid as you would say. And I think it just, it just gives, it just gives these kids, you know, more hands-on work. You know, yeah. you could have, you know, 13 receivers in a room and, you know, that's fine for, for one coach. But let's say you break it down to half and the six guys get, you know, dedicated one-on-one training with in a meeting room with, you know, one coach. And then the other six kind of work with, you know, kind of Dennis Simmons. You just get it's just an opportunity to learn more and, you know, everyone get more more hands on coaching. You know, it's it's the same kind of deal with the offensive line a couple years ago when. Uh, Vianney Talam- 
my tell vote, my vow, yeah. tell him my vow, started working with, uh, I'm blanking on his name, help me out. I'm not, I'm not UCLA sure. UCLA coach now. Drevno. Oh, Tim Drevno. When Drevno yeah. took over, you know, <laughs> Vianne would help out with the interior guys while uh, Henson, oh, yeah. or not Henson, uh, Drevno would work with the offensive tackles. It just, you know, let it, let them break up a little bit, let them, you know, get more hands-on training, especially for like a younger guy who who was kind of working and get more engaged with the coach as opposed to, you know, only so many, so, so much time and individuals, you know, you know, he gets, he just gets more time. To, to, to learn and kind of get more hands-on work. So, you know, I like that. It just kind of splits it up, especially with the number of receivers USC is going to have. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, and then they're going to play a lot of different guys, right? Yeah. I mean, Lincoln Riley said eight to ten guys are going to be out there playing. So before it was just sort of like, yeah, the four guys played and you have the one coach and that's fine. So this is, uh, again, uh, a, a competent approach. It's funny, I covered – so – USC has been running like spread kind of offenses for quite a while now, but they never really, when you, when you coach though, when you, when you are coaching a spread offense, like I covered Fresno state, like when Derek Carr was up there and Devonte Adams and stuff. And, you know, they had inside wide receivers coach and outside wide. That's the kind of offense you were running. That was just what you do. And USC sort of was like trying to run that offense, but didn't really have like a guru of that offense. And then they weren't really doing what, you know, sort of the basic things that you do if you're going to run an offense like that is have two wide receivers coaches. They just haven't done that before. So, uh, you know, they have it now because that's what you're supposed to do. So uh, it's a good thing that USC is doing that now. Um, that's all the notes I had. Was there any players you talked to or uh, coaches? One or? quick note. We did not get to speak to Lincoln Riley. Oh, he yes. did not speak to the media for the first time. I think it was just a situation where he kind of went in to went, left practice with someone and then they tried to get him back and it was like, uh, let's just do it on Thursday. So we're going to be talking to him on Thursday. Yeah. So we didn't get any like kind of team updates. Overall, stuff, yeah, updates uh, from what's going on. Which would be nice because he'll talk to us after both practices this week. So oh, just, yeah. just more oppor- just just more opportunity for, for him to, you know, observe a full week of practice and talk to us. I wonder if that means he'll do Saturday. Interesting, no. yeah, because we get a Zoom on Saturday usually, but I, I would think so. I mean, it doesn't that doesn't take too long, and uh, but it's been good. We've you know the the good thing we're not watching as much practice, but we are getting a lot of opportunities to talk to players and coaches and get a feel for it. There's a lot of transfers, there's a lot of new faces. Uh, obviously, the entire coaching staff outside of Dante Williams uh, is new, so uh, we get a lot of good opportunities to kind of gain some insight into what the players are thinking, what the coaches are thinking, what they're doing out there. Uh, we're just not watching as much as we do. So I feel bad when someone comes up and they're like, oh, how's Caleb Williams look? I'm like, well, he looks good throwing a football in drills, but I uh, don't really know just unless what people say. So Right. Uh, all right. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we will come back and answer some questions back in a minute. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your 
time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast. Thanks for everyone listening on any podcasting platform. And if you're watching and listening on YouTube, thank you for doing that. Uh, as well, Chris, we got a voicemail. Maybe we'll start with that. Okay. Here you go. Hi, Ryan. This is Curtis from Moreno Valley. You know, the transfer portal is only like this because of the COVID rule. All the players that were playing during that COVID situation have a free transfer. They're immediately eligible to play. Usually you have to, even with that, there's a transfer portal, you have to sit out for at least a year, but not any of those players. So this is a very rare time. We should be able to load up on offensive and defensive linemen. That's all we need. People want to come to us. We just offered somebody at West Virginia, a defensive lineman, he was tired of playing defensive tackle. He wants to be a, a edge rusher. <laughs> He's going to come to USC. They just offered him. We need to take advantage and get linemen just because of the special rules of the transfer portal right now. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Hey, Curtis. Thanks for the uh, phone call there, the voicemail. Um, so I know – the rules can be a little bit confusing sometimes. The 2020 COVID season is still, you're still seeing lingering effects from that because you, know, you talk about a guy like Micah Kroon, like looks like he's been playing college football for seven years, but like the 2021 doesn't count. And did you redshirt this year? Did you get a medical? Like there's a lot of stuff going like, uh, like that going on. The transfer portal is a huge part of college football now, but it's not about COVID as far as being eligible to be transferring, transferring right away. This it used to just be, if you graduated, you could, you could transfer without penalty. So people would kind of wait transfer. till graduation, the grad transfer. Now the NCAA passed the law and it's not about a passed a rule, not a law, a rule. And it's not about COVID Curtis. It's about anyone gets a one-time exemption. So you can transfer right away. We saw, like five-star quarterback Quinn Ewers get like a million-dollar NIL deal, sign with Ohio State, show up. What do you do there? Like a little bit of spring ball or something, and then he just was and, like the third string and left. Uh, he can leave. Um, you transfer once for free. We'll probably start to see um, some of this being tested as far as like you want to transfer again, and we've seen some players do that. 
Uh, I don't know if they're immediately eligible. There's no, if you just transfer once, you're immediately eligible. It doesn't matter. So all those guys that USC got, you know, when Caleb Williams comes over, eligible. It, it had nothing to do with COVID. It's just that's the rule now. Um, so you can transfer once. I think over the coming years, we're probably going to see people transfer and they're like, this isn't going to work either. I want to transfer again. But do I have to sit out a year? Can I apply for a waiver? There was just a whole bunch of waiver things going on. And I think this was a blanket way to like, okay, we're not giving you a waiver because your grandma's sick and you not a waiver because your mom has cancer. Like there was a weird stuff going on that they granted waivers for some things and not others. Legitimate reasons for getting a waiver, not getting a waiver. Right. They would they would grant a waiver for someone that has like legit, legit reasons, and then they wouldn't grant it or no, they would they would grant a waiver for someone that didn't have legit reasons and then not grant it for someone that has like legit reasons. So it was very weird. It's, but it's the NCAA. NCAA. Do you know, Chris, like about the second time through? I think we'll I believe you have that. to sit out the second time. Okay. There's no like waiver or something for that. Or, I don't believe so. Yeah. So that'll be something to kind of watch. Are they going to press on that too? But Curtis, right now, you can sign your NIL, you know, your NLI, not NIL, NLI. Um, go to school somewhere and just transfer right away for for free. Uh, as far as you don't have to sit out, but it doesn't have anything to do with COVID. And to his his point, you know, Lincoln Riley and the staff are working the working it to their advantage. You know, they're taking advantage of this rule and they're they're cleaning up, as I would say, with the portal. You know, more coming double digits, like like Curtis said. There, you know, Mestador, uh, I think it's Akeem Mestador. West Virginia uh, def- uh, defensive lineman. That's ca- that's the kind of guy they need. They need a couple more impact defensive linemen. Guy can get to the quarterback. He is a proven pass rusher. I believe he has nine and a half sacks in his career. That's good production. Freshman All American in 2020. All packed. All Big 12 uh, selection last season. So that's the kind of guy you need. Going to take a visit here to USC. So on the on the right track with him. Yeah, they've. Certainly taking advantage of the transfer portal. Uh, if you look at Lane Kiffin and Lincoln Riley, they've been sort of the transfer portal kings. They had some social media back and forth a little bit more. More Lane Kiffin. He's more active on social media for that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, in in Lincoln Riley's case, it's more of a, you walk in, is the, championship, is the roster a championship level roster? No. Can we get a whole bunch of guys in the 2022 class in the last three weeks of the cycle? No. Okay, so you're going to focus on 2023. They already got five stars committed in that class. But for 2022 and for the, that season, you got to hit the transfer portal. And they've done that really well. Um, they're going to continue to do that. And it's a quick way. It's a quicker fix to get your roster up to speed. Now you got to do, Yeah, you got to do it right. You could get, if you go out and just get the best players in the portal and assemble your team that way, there's probably going to be a lot of chemistry issues. There's probably going to be a lot of, uh, mismatches as far as schemes and, and style of play and things like that. So you have to be smart about it just because there's a great, this great defensive tackle in the portal. But, you know, if there's reasons why you don't think it's going to work with your team, your scheme, you know, in your locker room, then you don't necessarily want to get them. So you have to kind of build this in a smart way. And we've seen people bring in a lot of transfers and they're, they've started off slow or they've had chemistry issues and things. So that's part of the problem too. But the good thing for USC, it's a whole new, locker room it's new for everybody so it's not like if you brought in 20 guys you upset the 60 guys that were already there like it's new for everyone so the 60 guys are already there everything's new for them too so everyone's coming in and kind of learning at the same time Uh, and that's why you recruit the guys that fit your system or what the culture you want to build 
So you can kind of pick and choose a little bit more, especially if you're Lincoln Riley. Just find the guys who are going to buy into your system and buy into that chemistry. It's going to take a take a second, you know, you know, lucky that they have 13 portal guys in here now and they can kind of work on that chemistry. And, you know, you hope the the next double digit guys come in and it's just as quick. But, yeah, there's going to be some chemistry issues in terms of just getting everyone on the same page. But, you know, if you're bringing in the right guys, it, I don't think it's going to be a long term issue because, you know, it's college football. Yeah, they want to win. Get on the same page and let's win. Yeah, you that, bring in, that's their message. You bring in talent and you win. People are gonna be like, "I can do this. I can get along." Sorry if I'm uh, distracted. I'm fighting with Oklahoma trolls on my. Uh, oh, you are right now. While yeah. we're you're fighting Oklahoma trolls while we're like not only recording but we're also on. Video. Look, I'm look. I just just sometimes it just they're just getting rowdy in my 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 mentions here. So I just gotta I just gotta handle it. You know. Should I? Uh, I can get. I can like uh, jump in there a little bit. You know, if you want. Uh, but Ryan, you're too nice. You're like, thanks for listening. You're sort of like the passive aggressive thank you for your <laughs> no no sometimes i gotta bully these people yeah that's true like I, there's time and place for that like, don't take that clip out of context no there's a, there <laughs> I, but like i usually sort of like kill them with kindness sort of thing but right. i'm not i'm doing it in a like mean-spirited way i'm saying something yes. to insult you to make you look stupid but i'm gonna do it if you look at it from the outside like oh that seems really nice like i feel like that's there's a little nuance to that one so sure i try to but, do but that way they're they're trolls. Right. They're dumb. They're not going to get that. <laughs> it's, you want like their friends to get it, and they don't realize they're just, right. they got crushed. Um, right. So they go to bed at night saying, I own that That's guy. a high IQ kind of play for you, but no. you're not dealing with the high IQs, you know? <laughs> it's Twitter. It it's is a Twitter. cesspool. <laughs> I'm just trying to bring a little order and, and poke fun. Right. Poke fun a little bit, you know? I, it, guys, it's so easy to trigger people. There is a debate, though. So, you know, we each have, uh, you know, more than 10,000 followers on Twitter. You have, you know, it's not like a Kardashian, but, you know, significant in our, like, world. And if someone who has, you know, an egg for a avatar and they have 10 followers tweets you something dumb and you quote tweet them, which basically is like they could say the smartest thing in the world to you. And no one would really know. Like they could like zing you bad and no one would know. But if you like get them okay, but you quote tweet them, you really are crushing them because then a whole bunch of people will jump on them. And it's sort of like not a fair fight. If I guess you'd like I don't um, care. Where do you stand on that? I don't like, care. No, let them get to ripped to shreds. I don't care. Like if they're if they're coming after you and they know that you have a following, it's like, well, all I have to do is quote tweet you and they'll have like that, I, fifty like, people yeah. jump on you. Like I love it. I okay. love being I think 11 it's case too. certified or whatever. I love it. It's so much fun. <laughs> I never want to say like, get him, but that's what I'm doing when I'm quote tweeting someone. But like the Rhodes Scholar guy from like a couple of weeks ago, do you remember that? Yeah, the guy yeah was I like, remember that. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma has more Rhodes Scholars than USC. Google it or whatever. And I was just like, and his, 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 his it was more than that, but his whole basis was like, uh, like USC, USC wasn't he, as academically he, 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 he challenging as Oklahoma. I was like, what? Maybe maybe he got me. Maybe he was like being like trolly and he wanted to get my no, attention. No, I don't think so. You th- think- so yeah, but part of me thinks he was just being like genuinely dumb in that. So I was like, this is so dumb. Like yeah. you can debate the national championships, the blue blood rankings. You can debate all that for football, but you cannot debate no. like academics with USC and Oklahoma. No offense to anyone who goes to Oklahoma that it's a four-year college, it's a college, you know. Yeah. Higher education wherever, but you can't just like don't don't try it. And I was like, this is so dumb. I gotta do it. I gotta pick this one out. And it was just so funny because this one got a lot of traction. Like he had, like he had like fifteen 
retweets all quote tweets, which is never a good sign. <laughs> and his literal response to everything was Google Road Scholars or something like Google Road Scholars, Oklahoma, or Google where Road Scholars are or something like that. It was just so stupid. And that was like literally every response. And it was just getting, I don't know, it was like, it was like arguing with a toad or something. Yeah, I don't know. It, sometimes you have to realize that it was like, okay. You're, I had it, my fun. It was like <laughs> it's like okay. I think Applebee's is better than Mastro's because Applebee's has way more forks. Like there's a lot more <laughs> forks there. Like Google it. There's a ton of forks. Yeah. Okay. And okay, it's like man. sure. Okay, that's great. And there, you know, there might be some aspects of Applebee's that are like, hey, maybe the waitstaff is friendly. I don't know, but like you can't say that Applebee's is a better restaurant than Mastro's. And I'm not saying the gap between Oklahoma and USC, but like. If you look at like U.S. News and World Report, all that stuff, like it's, you know, way harder to get into USC than Oklahoma. It's just like ridiculously harder. It's just not, it's not, you can't make that argument about, well, the academics at USC, you don't have to worry about that. It's like, no, like it's just, like, it's way, like I couldn't get into USC today. I went in a long time ago. I was an engineer. I'm proud of my master's degree and stuff, but I probably wouldn't be going there today because it's just too freaking hard. Um to get in, you know, like so, and and just like the mental like gymnastics these Oklahoma trolls were getting to, because this was about Caleb missing the the, the door on the first day. You know, he kind of yes. went more to the left, <laughs> which is a funny moment. But all of them were like, "Oh, this is why he can't uh, read cover eight or whatever, or drop <laughs> drop eight. It was like, this is so stupid. Yeah, like you don't realize how stupid you sound right now. Sort of equating missing the entrance just like going through the door he usually went through for prps yes it was right there but you've never like you know just like done something dumb like that you know just kind of like sometimes i i'm looking for the remote and i'm looking in the fridge for it and i have no idea why you know just <laughs> something where you, you go kind of go on autopilot he was on autopilot he was going to the prp door the second door down the hall down the way and you know just missed the the glaring one right in front of him that's fine yeah it's it doesn't like equate to, equate to anything like football intelligence that's just stupid yeah so uh, i had to so i just have to call out these people i just have to poke them and throw them to the to the twitter wolves that that follow me all right well i'll uh, i'll check it out i'll try to help you out on there and the you know i may be mean get I'll, mean i'll, 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 I'll you, mean you you have a lot of twitter power you don't yeah. you don't yield your twitter power enough yeah. for 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 evil <laughs> You do it for good, you know. You do the you do the Red Cross. You donate. You, you do the Meals on Wheels. You do all these great things, but no, use it for evil, Ryan. Destroy people. All right. Destroy these 150 followed trolls. We did. It was funny. We, my friends tell a story. We did a quick one. We were over in Europe like a few years ago, and uh, golf trip. A buddy's turned 50, and there was a whole bunch of us out there golfing and stuff. And my friend used ship sticks to get out. You know, to get there. To get his clubs there, and we the first three rounds we ship played. Sticks? It's called it's like a shipping company. Basically, they just like ship it through like UPS or something. Um, so international, so or whatever. Okay. If you want, instead, if you don't want to bring your clubs on the the plane, which is kind of a pain in the butt, they'll ship them to the course. Wait, specifically for golf clubs? For golf clubs? Wow. Yeah. But so we were doing like eight rounds in Europe, like over like two weeks, and he didn't get them for the first three or four rounds, and we we're like complaining. He was calling, complaining, complaining, complaining. No one listened to anything. I'm like, well, let me try something. So I go on Twitter and say, hey, ship sticks, what the hell? You know, and like just tweet at them. And within like minutes, they <laughs> got a response. So sometimes you can use, and so they love telling that story that um that I got them to like jump. 
And they're like, can you ask your friend to stop? Because I then they still weren't coming. And I like tweeted again. And uh, yeah, they, it was. <laughs> you so see cool. that blue check mark? You get a lot of. You get a little. You get a, you get a little more extra uh, a cachet. Yeah. On the on the on the Twitter, so use it, Ryan. Yeah. So it was fun. use it. All right, we got a couple of questions from David. He had wrote in. Let's do it. Email. He says, "Any idea how the new staff views linebacker Julian Simon? He was highly regarded when he signed. Any thoughts, Chris? Uh, I can't say for sure the early." views on julian uh, i know people have been asking about rajon Moore. i can ask uh, i'm assuming brian odom is going to talk tomorrow so we can get a little bit more but i'm assuming it'd be very similar to what they say about all the young players or the especially linebackers is like you know they're doing some good things you need, need them to <laughs> you know make the next step in their game you know kind of kind of that regard but he looks bigger he does you know, he, he he looked like a grown man facially when he got here but now and he was a big dude but he looks a little bit more like yoked up a little bit so from what i saw they were still kind of working him and rajon were still kind of on that third team kind of range so not exactly what you want to see but you know you hope by the end of the spring kind of can make a push a little bit maybe to the two deep uh but physically he looks good yeah i think so he um i don't think i was in with odom last week and they talked about Rajon Davis more. I came in towards the end, so I don't know if um, if uh, there was any other talk of Julian Simon. I'll have to go back and look. But um, yeah, I mean, he's someone that he has a. I mean, you look at him and like he should be able to play linebacker, and we'll see uh, if that's the case. Uh, he also wanted to know for what you witnessed of spring practice, who looks like the top three fastest wide receivers? I would say Gary Bryant Jr. He's there. Uh, Mario Williams. I think he's got some sneaky speed to him, yeah. I think you would categorize him more as like quick and agile. Mm. But I, I think he has that top-line speed. Um, and then I think maybe I'm going out a little weird here, but Brendan Rice? He's fast. Yeah, you know, he's 6'2". He's a big boy, but, you For know. For a big dude, he can run. He can yeah. run. I mean, that was kind of one of those eval points coming out, of, coming, out of, coming out of high school is that he's got, you know, impressive straight-line speed. So, I think he he's number three, which is impressive for a guy his size. So that would be my top three right now. Yeah, I think so. I don't, I don't know if Taj Washington's fast, fast, but he's quick, quick, like super yeah. quick. Um, I but he might not be one of the fastest. So I think you know it'd be we haven't really seen them like run against each other or anything like that. Just it's, the on air stuff, and it's not even like they're yeah. not really going full um, whatever. So, but that would be my guess. But you know, I, I don't know if that's unfair to, to like. When you watch Taj Washington's feet, though, like it's just like just smooth, very, very smooth. And there's this with the ability to pick them up and put them down quickly is something he could do, especially when you're like moving and changing direction. Like he's just something that's really good at that. I'm pretty confident, though, Gary's number one. Yeah. Just like he was, he had like low 4 4 speed in high school, and that was his deal. So I'm pretty confident he's whatever your list is, he's got to be number one. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We had a text message sure. from Matt in Huntington Beach. He put slash India. Interesting. So I think this is an international uh, wow. text message. Uh, Have you ever had a question from India? We've had a lot of countries represented. I don't know if India. Interesting. Interesting. Um, we, we used to get like regulars from different countries. I love the international questions. Uh, it says, watching practice footage and looking at the staff roster, I can't help but notice to see Taylor Mays. Coaching with Dante Williams as an assistant. Any chance Lincoln Riley hires Taylor Mays as a full-time assistant? And I actually got some pictures yesterday, Chris, while uh, working with the DBs. Um, you had 
Dante Williams, I think it was the corners they were working with, mm-hmm. and Lincoln and uh, and Taylor Mays, and they were um, acting. Both Dante and Taylor Mays were sort of taking turns acting as like the wide receiver, and the you know doing like a release. Like they were like running yeah. a route, and then the corner would have to kind of backpedal and you know keep their hands on them and sort of like uh, react to whatever they were doing. But Taylor Mays and Dante Williams kind of going back and forth uh, doing that. It's cool. Um, oh yeah, I, <laughs> I, I was. I, I thought there was the a question, question, but the question overall. I mean, yes. I mean, if he's good at his job, you know, Taylor Mays is a former player, and Lincoln has been very kind and you know supportive of former players coming back and being part of the program, whether that be you know stopping by practice. It feels like every day there's been a former player in practice. You know, obviously they give out the decals and stuff. So big on having former players around. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, he sort of, you know, moves up the ranks or maybe he goes goes to another program. That's where he wants to do. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a good chance that, you know, one day he could be a full-time assistant, but obviously needs more experience. Yeah, and it's not happening today. It's not happening this year and probably not going to happen next year. I don't – I don't even – is he a graduate assistant now? He was a, I believe like he was a student, a student assistant. assistant. Yeah, because he was finishing up his – Degree. Undergrad degree. Yeah. Um, we got to get Taylor back on again. We had yeah. him on the tunnel vision stuff and that was fun. And we had him on the podcast a bunch too. Um, what we would do, uh, like the pregame, we did pregame shows and stuff. That was kind of fun having, uh, Taylor on, but thanks Matt from Huntington beach slash India. Uh, Stephen Poway. He said, I was really surprised when Parker Lewis entered the transfer portal this past December. He was a clear favorite to start again next year. And there was no quote, Caleb Williams equivalent out there waiting in the wings. I'm very happy with Alex Stathouse, but it just seems strange. Do either of you know any of the backstory on the Parker Lewis situation? One thought I had was maybe he wanted to try working part-time at linebacker going forward, and Lincoln Riley said no. Thoughts? I don't think that was it, but Stephen Poway. Just very quickly, I would like to I would like to meet the Caleb Williams of kickers. Mm. I, I So what is that? That's like a a Lou Groza uh, caliber kicker. Yeah. Like the dude that who's the, like the, the San Diego kid or the glasses guy that was at um, Georgia. Like Rodrigo. Rodrigo. Yeah. So that would be the, he's an NFL kicker now. Yeah. With the Colts, I believe. Um, um, like a Justin Tucker kind of guy or something, you know, like, but for the overall question, no, it's not the linebacker thing. You know, it was just sort of a thing where at least things we've heard is, you know, just it just didn't it just wasn't a fit culturally is sort of the thing, the impression that I've gotten. You know, you know, Parker did have some some off the field stuff that he was going through. And, you know, that's why he wasn't consistently starting uh, last season. You know, Alex Dad has to come had to come in sometimes. You know, obviously one of those times was a targeting call. Um, was that the Stanford game? I believe that was a Stanford. It might have been. Yeah. Um, but there was off the field stuff. And that's sort of the things that we've heard, I've heard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's sort of the deal. I just think it was a situation where it didn't look like it was going to fit uh, for them. Yeah. No, I think you're right. And so one of the things where we talked about earlier where, hey, there's a guy like Kyle Ford that really wasn't getting a lot of opportunities and now he might pop. You know, there's uh, he's got uh, there's guys on the roster that have a bunch to prove and they're still there. Um, and I think part of the reason why some guys come back is because of that. They feel like, Hey, I could have been a contributor last year on a bad team and I wasn't. 
and I should have been, and I could have made this team better. And I feel like there's some guys that are there and there's some guys that were sort of like, you know, they're gone for a reason. And they're, you know, when they were okay with the way the culture was, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but this is going to be a different culture. There's a lot more accountability. There's a lot more, you're not skating by um, and just sort of like, Hey, I was talented before. I'm just going to play now. Cause that's the way it is. Um, if, if you want to be a championship program, yes, you got to bring in the five-star talent. Nick Saban brings in five-star talent all the time, but there's a lot expected of them when they get there. And it's a different culture when uh, your high school accolades don't matter anymore. And that's something that was talked about, um, you know, this week in practice and stuff. This is, or there was a Saturday, I guess, with Lincoln Riley. Um, this is, it's a different deal right now. And not every player is going to, what didn't sign up for that. That's not the, the program they were recruited to. Is not, they're not, the program that they're at now wasn't the same program that they were recruited to. And the, the reason the program is changing is because you want to win and they weren't winning. I'm not saying that this one philosophy is way better than the other, but this is more to me from an outsider is a championship type of philosophy. Uh, but it does expect different, you know, there's different levels of expectations for your players and the coaches and for everybody around. And so I'm not saying that's exactly what was going on with Parker Lewis, but there was, you know, some of that's going on, I think with every player that end up transferring out, you know, there's going to be different reasons why you don't want to be there anymore. And a guy like Alex Stathouse was transferring out, not because he wasn't starting. It was because he couldn't afford to be a walk-on. And so Lincoln Riley gives him a scholarship. He's already proven himself on the field. I think USC is in good hands there. Parker Lewis looked like he could play football like any other position, you know. Uh, he's a big dude. Uh, but for whatever reason, that didn't work out. And, you know, now USC's moving on. And, Steve, if you're worried about having a kicker slash linebacker type prospect on the roster, you know, the new guy they just got a commitment from, Garth White, six foot four, 200, that's a linebacker kind of body, five star kicker who is. A dual kicker and punter rated a five-star in both categories out of Ventura College, Juco. So that's a nice little pickup, a nice little depth piece uh, for punting and kicking. So don't worry. They have a big linebacker and a guy who can maybe get another ejection call, uh, a targeting <laughs> call uh, in, the, in, in the future. Um, Ryan, pop quiz. Yeah. USC's last Juco signee. Last Juco signee. Juco. Jucos have been dying off because of the Nick transfer Figueroa portal. Or? Yes, you are correct. Wow. I'm not the greatest of trivia, but I've been pretty good with it lately. There you go. Um, do you remember the last USC kicker that also played a position before oh. your time, I think? Uh, wow. Uh, Bueller? David Bueller, yeah. He, was a cowboy. He was a cowboy. Um, he, Yeah, he was fun. I remember him playing like i think it was fullback at the time he had like a neck roll on and then hell yeah comes in and against cal i believe and kicks a 49 yard field goal he was like the long field goal kicker and uh ends up getting drafted his his uh combine story is funny because i forget who the kickers and punters go with it might be like tight ends or something they're sort of at the end so most of the scouts leave they, they were in the bench area and so whoever the position group was that the kickers and punters were with all those guys did their bench. And then it was like kicker and punter time. And most scouts just walk away. They don't care how much your kicker, what kicker can, bench. can bench. And David Beeler like put up some ridiculous bench press numbers. And I don't remember specifically what they were, but they were like the they would have been, you know, he would have been as good, you know, one of the best linebackers or whatever. 
Um, and, and it became like a little, I guess pre-viral, but it sort of became like a viral video about him uh, putting up some huge numbers on the bets. Like, what's this kicker doing? You know, benching like uh, 20, you know, 28 times, 225 pounds or whatever he did. Or would you say Bueller was? Yoked. There you go. He was pretty yoked. Uh, yeah. So he, he was a kicker in the NFL for a while. I think I'm still friends with him on Facebook. Off the, nice. He was a really cool dude. I liked him a lot. Uh, okay. We got one last one from Don. So a long time ago, people were saying that Oscar Robert, Robertson took a pay cut. This is a long time ago. When he left the University of Cincinnati and joined the NBA. Well, now it is true and we will be happening frequently. College players going to the NFL will actually be taking pay cuts. How do you think the cut in pay and loss of power will affect future NFL players. I don't is see a, a lot pay of pay cuts, cuts? happening. I, I mean, if you're a top-end player, I mean, what, you're signing for like $50 million? I don't... Yeah. That's not coming in college, baby. I know the rookie contracts aren't like as good as if, you know, your second contract and things like that, but yeah, like this, you're talking about like elite players making, you know, you know, a few million dollars over their entire college career. Like that, uh, I mean, say a, say a college player somehow makes eight or 10 million in his college career. That, that was going to be like an outlier, the rarest of the rare, a Reggie um, Bush. Like, yeah. Like, uh, I, I mean, I, if you're that good in college, your first contract will beat that. So I don't think there's going to be any pay cuts. And I, I, I don't see players getting more than, you know, like you know, eight figures. I, I it's probably not going to happen, and it would have to get to that point for you to be able to take a pay cut to go to the NFL. And if there could be some player that makes a couple million bucks in college that just isn't good or good enough for the NFL, they might be. Maybe they're a great like college quarterback. Mm-hmm. They're like a Johnny Manziel, but they're not really good enough for the NFL. But he even got first. He was a first round draft pick yeah. anyway. But. It's hard for me to picture that, Chris. I, c- I could see people like making more money in college because they're just not going to be good enough to make it in the NFL and someone paid them to be in college. But I don't see if you being a, a stud in college, you ever taking a pay cut. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, at least like maybe for like a six round guy or something, maybe it entices you to come back for another season, something mm-hmm. like that. But for the higher end guys, no. I mean, no one's really touching that kind of money. Uh unless you're like some sort of super outlier um like and also NFL is still the dream for all these guys so yeah. I, I think when they had the opportunity to go to the NFL they're going to go to the NFL I don't think they're really worried about sort of the pay cut and when you're in the NFL you can get a lot more deals too oh yeah you can I so, mean yeah that's uh yeah I don't know if that's I thing. see what he's saying though but I don't think it will be a thing there'll be there'll be guys that make money in college that won't make money in the NFL for sure. So if you can call that a pay cut, but they're just, they weren't going to be good enough to make it in the NFL, but they actually got paid in college, which is great. Um, and the NF- NIL will probably have some changes coming to it in the future once it gets, you know. So right now it's the Wild Wild West. There'll probably be a lot more regulation down the line. So I don't think they're going to have to worry about that for long in terms of this whole pay cut theory. True. All right. Well, wait, wait, uh, hour 15, hour 16, not too bad. Uh, Chris, we had a lot of topics up at the top of the show. We appreciate all of the questions that you guys and, have sent in, and we went a little off topic. We, did, we had some off topic. We have some. We had some troll <laughs> trolling uh, convention, not convention like uh, TED Talk. Just kind of giving our thoughts on trolling. So yeah, uh, getting 
recognized out in the wild um, or talking about the the site out in the, out in the society there. Uh, we have a bunch of different stuff. We got I did my restaurant analogy. That was I thought that was a pretty good one. Um, I always know. always got to get a food restaurant analogy. I try, try I try to mix them in there. Uh, I don't know why I just always think of them. But restaurants are sort of like a kind of like a microcosm for society. Sometimes it's just like, a lot of it works at different levels. Uh, any of the last words, Chris? Are we uh, we out of here? I'm good. I'm still handling trolls right now. So, <laughs> all right, we'll let you get back to the troll handling. Uh, that is Chris Chris Trevino over there. I am Ryan Abraham. Thanks so much for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. And if you're on YouTube watching uh, the simulcast, we really appreciate you being part of the show. Download, subscribe, tell your friends. It's going to be a really, really fun USC football season. Something we couldn't say for many years. Uh, just seeing, seeing halfway through spring football, it just looks, it's just different, everyone. And so I think jump back on. A lot of you have uh, jump back on the bandwagon. Come on the site, uscfootball.com. We got stuff going up constantly uh lots of content you probably can't consume everything that we're putting up there because there's just a whole lot of stuff going on so if you love usa football you're in the right place make sure you check out here and over on the site at uscfootball.com so for chris i'm ryan thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time you may have noticed that shopping at trader joe's is unlike shopping at other markets people ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique interesting and delicious products at such great everyday prices This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices, every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.